This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. So that's what we're going to unpack in this series, how to change your world. One person at a time, just changing one life at a time. So from this video, you, from those quotes, the guys highlight two things. The one is the value of human life. That's the one thing that Jesus came to reveal to this world. You know, at the time that Jesus came onto the scene, the value of human life was very low. But Jesus came, he, he lifted up the value of children. He lifted up the value of women. He lifted up the value of, of, uh, of the downcast, the downtrodden of society. Jesus came to reveal the value of human life. And then also... As he said, there, there's something better than a man walking on the moon. It's God walking on earth. And, and I believe that's one of the keys that we're going to look at in terms of changing our world, having God here in our midst. So last week, Sunday, we had a really, really special morning. And so there was a couple here um, from the UK. The guy is 33 years old, the lady a little bit younger. And uh, I asked them if I could share this. They gave me their permission so they, they um, give some back stories. They, the guy said he's never been in a church in his life. He's never read the Bible. And they stuck in South Africa for a, <laughs> since December. And the week before they came to church, um, he shared with me, he was discussing with somebody in town or they were chatting. And at the end of the discussion, this person that he was talking to said to him, Jesus loves you. Sort of ended the discussion with Jesus loves you. And that made such an impression on him. It was like God was brought onto his radar. And, and I mean, it's never happened to him before. And then in the days following, they spoke about God. And then the friends of theirs invited them to church. And so now they're sharing with me that Last week, Sunday morning, I think before the service or the evening before, they were like, as a couple now discussing, should they go to church? Because they were like, Oof. you know, their experience of religion has not been very good. So they were actually a little bit afraid. Like, what's it going to look like? What's going to happen if they come to church? In the end, they decided that they would come. And they're so beautiful. The guy said to me, it was exactly the opposite of what they expected. He shared how the, the worship music just so touched their hearts, and I think they were sharing how they were at times just really moved and uh, weeping. And, and the word was so real that it, it just so spoke to them. And when they responded at the end, I, I prayed with them, and then they had this beautiful encounter with God. And they were like, we've never experienced anything like this. We didn't know <laughs> that this is possible. They had this experience that they thought this is what Christianity is. And now they realize that it's the opposite. They had a stereotype of, of basically dead religion. They experienced dead religion. And now they experienced something life-giving. And they were like, this is unbelievable. So as I was chatting to them, I realized that they don't know much. As they never read the Bible, so I had a, made an appointment with them on Tuesday, and uh, and for more than an hour, I basically just unpacked the gospel to them, just explained the message of Christ, and they were like, "This is amazing! 
this is amazing. You should have seen it. I'm like, yeah, it is amazing. <laughs> oh, man, I tell you, I come alive when I share with someone that's just new and they're like, wow, guys, do we have any idea how much we have already received in God? I think we forget I think we forget, and, and for them it was like a, a whole new world that opened up, a whole new world. You see, dead religion is like a barren, burnt landscape. It's not life-giving. And then the real deal is the very atmosphere of heaven, a life-giving atmosphere that changes us from the inside out. So it's just beautiful. On Monday night, I think the guy read the Bible for the first time in his life. Like, and, and he's like, wow, it's amazing. But you can see the change. You can see it in their eyes. And he shared, with, as I was praying for them, he just felt something come into him as I was praying for him. It's like a touch from heaven. The atmosphere of heaven descended into him. And he, and he shared also, like, on the Sunday afternoon when things got a little bit quiet, he had a, a, a quiet, like a, a moment on his own somewhere, and he said he just started to weep. He doesn't know why. <laughs> but you see, it's, it's coming home. It's coming home. It's coming to that which you were created for, a living relationship with God. And unfortunately, most of religion in our country is, is, is dead. It's empty. It's dry. But there is the real deal. And there are many churches who have the real deal. But so I want to remind us this morning, we have so much, you have received so much, and if you haven't received it, I would love to pray with you at the end of this service to commit your life to Jesus, to also experience the fullness of God. In the first service this morning, we had a bunch of people having beautiful encounters with God as we prayed with Him. So I'd love to, to pray with you. So as I said, dead religion is like a burnt barren, toxic landscape. And so, as I shared with them, I just spoke to them about the different aspects of the gospel, just sharing the good news and why. Why? You know, why did Jesus have to come? Why did Jesus have to come? So, uh, it's amazing with uh, this, uh, this one, there's this Bible miniseries called the Epic Bible Miniseries. And there's this one scene where Jesus meets with Peter and he does this miracle with like a massive catch of fish miraculously and Peter is like falling to his knees like what has happened here and then Peter at some point says or asks this question so what are we gonna do and Jesus says this dramatic Hollywood move of the camera change the world <laughs> and that's what Jesus came to do he came to change the world I mean think about this for a moment a 30-year-old Jewish boy from Nazareth, a little town from Nazareth, he does ministry for three years, three and a half years. He dies a miserable death on a cross, and today more than a billion people worship him as God. There must be something there. There must be something more than we have, and then a lot of people think. And so Jesus came to change the world, but the question is why? Why did he have to come? So I want to give you a bit of context. So let's take it from Genesis chapter 1. This world was created by God in perfection. 
It was paradise. It was made for man. It was perfect. The atmosphere, the environment, it was sin-free. It was paradise. Original man could have intimate relationship with God, unfettered, un, not, nothing between them and God. It was, it was beautiful. And we were destined to live forever as we would, mankind would have been receiving from the tree of life. And we should have lived forever. But then things went wrong. Mankind rebelled against God, and we opened the door to an alien entity. Now, if you love sci-fi, you're going to love this. An alien entity, a foreign agency, evil. The door was open to evil to flood into this world. And the original paradise, which was supposed to be our home, was transformed into a toxic alien planet. What, what we are experiencing today is not the original plan. The original plan was God in our midst. But evil flooded. A toxic atmosphere came into this world and it's killing everything and everyone. As you breathe in this toxic atmosphere, you tend to go into the darkness and negativity and unbelief and envy and jealousy and hatred and bitterness and lust and fear and anxiety and depression. And as you breathe in this toxic atmosphere, it's like home has become hell. Paradise has become the pits. But we are born into this, so we're not even aware how stuffed up our world is. Have you, have you ever wondered why is it so hard to follow Jesus? Have you ever wondered? It's really hard. It's really hard at times. It's just like, oh, and the reason it's so hard is you're breathing in the toxic atmosphere and it's stuffing up your life. It leads to all those ungodly thoughts and desires and ultimately into wickedness. Toxic atmosphere. But Jesus came to change that. Jesus came to turn that around. That is why he came. He came to change this, this toxic atmosphere into something better, into the atmosphere of heaven here on earth. So, you know, I, I realize, I mean, even, you know, we, there is beauty in our world. I mean, beautiful sunsets, beautiful fauna and flora, but we were meant to live forever. And we're not. <laughs> I mean, I was at the hospital this week, Sonica went for some tests, and I was sitting outside, and I'm just checking all the sick people, and all the frail bodies, and people in so much pain, and, and I'm like, this is not the original plan. So we need to wake up to that reality. We're so used to it, but we need to wake up that this is not the original plan. And that is why we need to partner with God in changing our world. So that's the question, How? You know, I mean, if you think about it in terms of hostile atmospheres, I googled this. When you step into space without a spacesuit, you'll pass out in 15 seconds and you'll be dead within a minute and you'll be freeze, frozen solid, solid popsicle in about 12 hours. That's in space. Mars has a bit of a better atmosphere than Venus. But you'll still pass out in less than 30 seconds, and you'll be dead in within a minute. Toxic atmosphere. 
toxic atmosphere. Why do you wear a spacesuit? You wear a spacesuit because you want to bring another atmosphere with you wherever you are going. And I believe that is the key if we want to change the world. You need to change the atmosphere within you and around you. We need to bring the atmosphere of heaven with us. We need to breathe in the life-giving atmosphere of heaven. And that atmosphere brings peace, brings joy, brings rest to our souls, brings freedom from darkness. When you breathe in, it's like, wow. I mean, that's what happened to this couple from the UK. They walked in here and they experienced a different atmosphere. And they're like, I've only been breathing toxic stuff for my whole life. This is different. And I want it. I want it. So if you and I want to, if you want to change the world, you know, change the atmosphere within you and then around you, expose others to this heavenly atmosphere and they will want it. I mean, who doesn't want heaven? Who doesn't want peace and joy and rest for their souls? Who wouldn't want to be shame-free or guilt-free? Who wouldn't want their sins to be washed away? But you see, it's the, the dead religion. It's a bad marketing department. It pushes people away. Because if, if, that, I mean, if that is what Jesus is about, I mean, who wants that? Dead religion? No. Then you will run the other way. But so now... For you and me, this earth was home, but now it's become hell because any place without God is hell. Home is now heaven because God is there. You and me, our home is heaven. The moment you commit your life to Jesus, the moment, like this couple, as I prayed with them, you, you, you step into another kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. You step out of darkness into light. You become a citizen of heaven, and now you also become an ambassador of God, to partner with God in seeing the world changed. Come on, say amen. It's, a, it's good news, people. <laughs> it really, really, really is good news. Spoke to another couple at the end of the previous service, and they were just sharing with me how they, they love this church. They just say, it's like, it's like uh, they want to follow Jesus. It doesn't feel like an obligation. It doesn't feel like a burden. It's like they want to come here. They want to encounter God. And they want to follow Jesus. And that's how it should be. It shouldn't be like, hey, you really need to go to heaven. You know, it's like, no, you want to be in paradise. You want to be with God. You want to experience his fullness. So the mission, the mission is now to change the world. And as I said, if you want to change the world, you need to change the atmosphere within you and around you. So if you want to flourish in this toxic environment, how are you going to do it? Well, you need a spacesuit or a heaven suit. You need to cultivate a lifestyle like many of us do, a lifestyle of worship and of prayer and of being in God's word, but a lifestyle of turning our hearts to heaven and, and you create an environment around you, an atmosphere so that you can breathe. So that you can live a life-giving atmosphere. So you need to build out the life-giving atmosphere within you and around you. And if we look at how Jesus lived, that is how he lived. Jesus built out this atmosphere. Heaven's atmosphere on earth. Okay, so in this series of Change Your World, we're going to unpack this. The, how, how do you build out the atmosphere of heaven 
on, from different angles, specifically the fivefold ministry cultures which represent what Jesus came to do. So I want to take you to Luke chapter 4. This reveals to us Jesus' mission and strategy of changing the world. So, 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 so some of the backstory in Luke chapter 4 or end of chapter 3 was baptized in water. The heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus like a dove. Holy Spirit came upon him and then he was led into the wilderness into the, into to 40 days of temptation and, and the devil came to tempt him. And then as he overcame temptation, he came back in the power of the Holy Spirit. Then he went to his hometown, Nazareth. He went into the synagogue and he got up to read and they gave him the scroll of Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah 61. And then he read it. This was his, his world changers mission statement that he read, which we're going to read in a moment. But then after he read it, you know, it's like Jesus got up, took the scroll and he basically said, right, I am here to change the world and this is how I'm going to do it. And then he invites us in to be part of that. Now look at their response in Luke chapter 4, verse 20. It says there, Then he closed the book, and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture, which was prophesied 700 years ago, is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, but is this not Joseph's son? I mean, we know this guy. Who does he think he is? So they were offended with him. Verse 25. But I tell you truly. So Jesus then gives them a bit of context. He reminds them of something that they forgot. And I think many Christians forget this as well. But he said in verse 25. But I tell you truly. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months. It was a drought. And there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. So Jesus is saying, in the midst of this famine in all of Israel, God sent Elijah, the man of God with the power of the Holy Spirit upon him. He sent him where? To Sidon, a hated area of, the, of, of their world and a hated people. And then he sent Elijah to a woman and not just a woman, a widow. I mean, that's the lowest of the low in society. And Jesus saying, hey, guys, God sent Elijah to that nobody. And then it continues in verse 27. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. And none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So the lepers were the lowest of the low. They were the unclean. They were rejected. They were hated. They were feared because you're going to get infected. And so Jesus reminds them that there were many lepers. But God used Elisha to heal a hated Syrian enemy. And he was a leper. And so Jesus was telling them, guys... God loves people from all classes, from all over the world. But you forgot it. You forgot why you were blessed. 
You forgot that when originally God gave this promise to Abram. And he said, Abram, all the nations of the earth will be blessed in your seed. And you were given the scriptures and you were given the revelations and you were given all these blessings of God. And what did you do with it? You held it for yourself. You held it for you. You kept it to yourself. And you isolated yourself from the rest of the world. Guys, you forgot why you were blessed. You were blessed to be a blessing. And I, and I, and I look at it, their response. When Jesus says basically to them that God loves all peoples. From all statuses in life. Look at their aggressive response. So verse 28. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, anger. And they rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way, because it, it wasn't his time. So think about this for a moment. Is it possible... For one, to be blessed by God and yet to forget why you are blessed. To such an extent, so inwardly focused, so me, myself, and my people. To such an extent that when God himself stands at the door, you try to kill him. Because that's exactly what happened to them. And I believe that's exactly what happens to Every church on this planet. We start off on fire for God. I mean, every real church, God-given church, starts on fire for God and on reaching others. And then as we receive the blessings and the blessings and the blessings, we become more like, oh, this is amazing. And we're loving it. And, it's, and, and, we, and we keep it for ourselves. And if you keep on that path, you find that you lose the fire, you lose the passion, and ultimately you lose God. To such an extent that God is no longer welcome in that community. I mean, that's what happened to the Jews. And I believe that's what happens to dead religion. You come to such a point where God is no longer welcome in your, in your midst. Whew, that's scary. And what's the key there? What's the critical component? The critical component is that we, we cannot forget why we were blessed. We cannot live all our lives in a toxic atmosphere, breathing in death. Then we discover heaven's atmosphere. We're transformed. We, our sins are washed away. We find peace. We find joy. We clean up our lives. We sort out our relationships. Life is good. We make brilliant friends in church, and we're loving it. And then we're like, can the outsiders just please butt out? Because this is just wonderful. Loving it. That's the beginning of the end. Amen? You will lose the fire if you are only inwardly focused. So what happens when you forget why you were blessed? That's what happens. You actually push God out. So here's a powerful statement. The next one. The nature of the kingdom of God is that if you hold on to the blessings of God... You lose it. 
But if you give it away, God will give you more. This is the nature of the kingdom of God. If you hold on to the blessings of God for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give it away, and I'm not talking about money now, I'm talking about the gospel, all the blessings that God pours out into our lives. If we give it away, God will give us more. I mean, there's so many parables that confirms this. The, the parable of the, the, the servants, three servants, and they had been given different talents. And the guy with the one talent, he was afraid. So he kept it to himself. He dug a, a hole and he kept it there until the master returns. His, and he says, Lord, here is what you gave to me. I am, it's back. And the Lord said, you wicked servant. Take what is his and give it to the guy with ten. You lose it. You lose it. And the guy who's been working and giving all that he has been given, he gets more. It's the nature of the kingdom of God. And so I want to remind us of this. Your, your life depends upon embracing the mission of Jesus Christ to change the world. Your life, your spiritual life, the vitality of your relationship with God is dependent upon embracing the same mission that Jesus embraced. So how did Jesus change the world? Luke chapter 4 verse 1 says, Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Luke chapter 4 verse 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. So the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is God. And why is heaven heaven? Because God is there. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's like heaven comes upon you. It's the atmosphere of heaven that comes upon us. Okay, so I want to... Read Luke chapter 4, verse 18, and this is the world changer's mission statement. This is Jesus' mission statement that he embraced, and I believe God wants us to embrace as well. But before we read it, quick question, turn on your brain. What is the most important thing to come out of a mine? Most important thing to come out of a mine? Gold? Diamonds? Platinum. No. The miner. The miner. A famous French engineer asked his students this question about a century ago. The most important thing to come out of a mine was the miner. How obsessed do we as mankind get with rocks? That we would actually kill one another for a rock. God values people. Do you have any idea how valuable you are to God? Do you have any idea how much He loves you? I mean, there's no one like you. That means that you are one of a kind. That means you're invaluable. Invaluable. There's, there's no price that can be put on a human soul's life. He loves you. The most important thing to come out of mind is the minor. Are we living like it? Are we, have we embraced the heart of God for people? I tell you, as I was sharing with this couple from the UK this week, I was, man, I was coming alive. I'm like, yes, this is amazing. One life changed by the love of God. Oh, nothing compares. I, I come alive. I tell you, you will come alive when you can touch somebody else with God's love. You will find purpose. You will find meaning in life like nothing else. So let's embrace. Let's embrace the Lord's mission. So Luke chapter 4, verse 18. I want us to read that together as 
the world changers mission statement. Okay, let's read it together. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I love that. I've been, I've, been, I've been saying, I've been repeating this passage over and over again this week. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Oh, man, I tell you, it stirs your faith. Chosen by God to fulfill His mission. Because the Lord has anointed me. It's not like you anoint yourself. It's like God chooses you. And then by faith, by trusting in Him, He comes and He fills you with His Spirit. The atmosphere of heaven within you. And then you release the atmosphere of heaven to others. And you see all of that happening. The gospel to the poor. The healing to the brokenhearted. Liberty to the captives. Liberty to those who are praised in the acceptable year of the Lord. Wow. That's just beautiful. The only difference is that when, with, when it was with Jesus, he carried all of the Spirit of God upon himself. Now, none of us can carry all of the Spirit of God like Jesus did. But now there is the body of Christ. So we should change that statement to say, the Spirit of the Lord God rests upon us. Because the Lord has anointed us, together as the body of Christ, we can carry the fullness of the Spirit. And some really cool things I'm going to share about that in a moment. But Jesus was the firstborn of many sons and daughters. That's what the Bible says. So Jesus came. He's like the prototype. He came onto the scene. And he did his miracles and everything he did. He did it by the Holy Spirit to show us how you and I should also live. And he opened the way when he died at the cross and he died, he paid the price for his sins. He opened the way so that the atmosphere of heaven can come and rest upon you and me. And then he showed us, guys, this is how you should do it. This is the mission statement of world changers. So the first one, let's unpack that. Five Aspects I want to highlight, and the five of them are connected to the fivefold ministry. Jesus is apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. In the body of Christ, different people are prophetic or pastoral or evangelistic, and that's what we want to want to build out in the series. Okay, so the first one it said, "You are to preach the gospel to the poor, the prophetic, to preach, to proclaim, empowered by the Holy Spirit to share." With the poor. Who's the poor? Obviously, you're kind of physically poor, but the, the fact is everybody's poor without God. The wealthiest man on the planet is the one who has God who abides within them. Heaven with you. That is the wealthiest person. The poorest in the world can have the mansions and the money and the airplanes and the, all those things. But if, they don't have, if you don't have God in your life, man, you poor. And you can't take it with you. You can't fly with your airplane to heaven. You're going without your stuff. The poor. And we, you and I, have the privilege of carrying God's presence within us and then 
sharing with others. And I spoke to this couple before the service now. They shared with the lady, shared with me. She, man, she can't. She, she said, I love to preach. I love to tell people. I love to tell them what I have experienced. And they're like new in church. That have been like a month here. And they want to tell everybody what God is doing in them. God living in us. So 1 John 4, verse 15. It says, all who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them. Have God living in them and they live in God. Man, I love that. You are designed. Your body is designed for God to live on the inside of you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that's what Pentecost is all about. Then number two. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. The pastoral. That, that broken heart, it speaks of being crushed on the inside. Our God is love. He's a relational God. And there's so many people who are crushed on the inside. They have experienced life and disappointments, and they are dying on the inside. And that incapacitates them in their relationships. They're full of bitterness and anger and unforgiveness, and they just don't have the capacity to love well because they are crushed or broken on the inside. And so you and I can carry the hope of heaven within us. I mean, I think that's what with um, Jean-Pierre, for those of you who've seen his message last week, Sunday, and memorial service with his wife that passed away after three years of fighting cancer, there are so many lives that are being transformed through JP's life right now. Why? Because he should be crushed. He should be angry. Yes, he does cry, and he does mourn his wife's passing. But he's carrying the hope of heaven, and everybody's like, Wow, there's something different here. Carrying the hope of heaven. Instead of being crushed because of the experiences, the negatives of life in God, we are healed and we are restored and we are made whole. And that is a message to the world. When you're going through hell and yet you still have joy and peace and you're not bitter and angry. Man, that is a testimony to the world. You are releasing the atmosphere. You are preaching the gospel to this world. So don't stop. Think about this for a moment. Your heart is like your phone, the battery of your phone. Have you ever had your phone at 5%? I mean, let's say let's 10%. Have you had that? It says 10% bleep, bleep, bleep. You've got like one hour and then it's gone. But it's supposed to be 10%. It's gone. You can't function. The phone can't do what it's supposed to be doing. And I think for some of us, that's how our hearts are. Our hearts are like a 10%, 5%. We, we, so you, it can't charge. Your battery can't charge. So you need Jesus to heal your heart. You need Jesus. And I hear this over and over again of people that commit their lives to Christ. Suddenly their hearts become soft. Suddenly they get the capacity. Like their batteries get charged. Suddenly they can be patient, suddenly they can be forgiving and repentant, like say, hey, I'm sorry. Suddenly they have the capacity to love well. So you need your heart to be restored. That is the postural. Bring, bring healing to the brokenhearted. You and I can bring healing to others. And I see this is from my wife, Sonica. She is very strong in the postural, the bringing healing to broken hearts. She, this is her gift. Without praying for people, she has a gift of just, you know, she'll give you a gift, she'll give you a card, she'll just treat you in a way that, that reveals you, you're valuable. 
And I tell you, people's hearts just get healed. It's amazing. We're seeing this over and over again. That's the pastor. That is the atmosphere of heaven, restoring hearts. And I experience this myself as well often, just, just sitting in the presence of God. When life has hit me hard, I just come and sit in the presence of God, and then I, I get charged up on the inside again. And then, man, let's love again. Let's love again. Come on, say amen. Healing to the broken heart. And number three, liberty to the captives, the apostolic. I put position that in the apostolic. To proclaim liberty to the captives. You see, when you, when you feed on the toxic atmosphere, you find yourself falling into darkness. You find yourself addicted to stuff that messes up your life. You find yourself bound by sin. You find yourself tormented with, with shame, guilt, lies, self-hatred. There are so many people that are like slaves. They are being like whipped every day. Slaves being punished, captives. The enemy wounding them, hurting them. And we have the privilege of bringing freedom. Freedom to captives in Jesus. We can say, hey guys, it's freedom. Whatever you're being tormented by, whatever you are bound by, Jesus is the answer to set you free. So I love this, this story from a, a revival from the nine, 1995 to 2000. It was Brownsville Revival in Florida in the United States. Now revival is when heaven's atmosphere comes down in a measure way beyond just an individual or a local church. It impacts a region or even a nation. So in their case, it was from 1995 until 2000. They had services six nights a week. Every night they would start at seven. They will go on until five in the morning. And then they will go out and around six o'clock people will start queuing again for the evening services. And they said it felt like a moment because God was in the house. It didn't feel like ours. It was just like, it was heaven. You see, there is no time in the presence of God. And so this beautiful account of a 17-year-old drug-abusing atheist. And he wrote this 15 years later and he recounted his dramatic conversion in one of the services at Brownsville. He says, as I walked into the building, even as a hardened sinner, I began to sense a difference in the atmosphere. A strange pull began to affect me. I felt increasingly uncomfortable about my sin. But there was an unspoken yearning for truth, for reality, and for salvation rising in my soul. And then he shares what happened after that transformative encounter. He says, I was immediately freed. From the grip of drugs, alcohol, suicidal tendencies, and rebelliousness toward my teachers and parents. And he led 27 of his school friends to Christ. Isn't that beautiful? So he's been, he's been partaking of the toxic atmosphere all those years. Until he tasted the atmosphere of heaven. And suddenly all those things got broken off his life. Jesus came to set the captives free. The apostolic aspect of the atmosphere of heaven. Number four, sight to the blind, the teaching aspect. That's where, you know, you, you receive the word of God that reveals to you how you should align your life. It's, it's eyes to the blind. Obviously, Jesus physically healed people of blindness as well. But I believe this speaks of God's word especially. It brings sight. It's like with this couple I shared from the UK. They were like, we've never seen this before. We never realized that God can be so amazing. 
Have your eyes been opened? Are you seeing it? Are you amazed? Are you like a little child? Like, wow, God, you are amazing. Or are you a bit disillusioned? Like, oh, man, whatever. Well, if you're there, you've not tasted. (laughs) You've not tasted the atmosphere of heaven. You're feeding of the toxic atmosphere of this world. And then I want to present to you our plan. I believe the vehicle through which significant life change, I believe, is going to happen in this church and through this church. So our life groups or small groups or home groups, whatever you want to call it, is our groups in the week that we get together. We are upgrading them. So we want to launch them in the third term. Life groups 3.0. We've skipped 2.0 and we went straight to 3. And the reason is that the 3 represents a few very significant aspects to what is changing. So here's a few things that are changing, a few bullet points that you can also put on there. First of all, instead of one facilitator per group, there will be three facilitators, each one focusing on a different aspect. The one will focus on the upward, worship and prayer, the word of God, connecting with God. Another one will focus on the inward, pastoral, the healing of hearts, of caring and loving people. And the third one will be outwardly focused. How can we reach our world for Jesus? And we want the groups to partner. It's the first time ever we've, we've discovered that our life groups have become extremely inwardly focused. And so we want to bring that extra aspect in. But three people, each one focusing on being, becoming specialists in either the upward, the inward, or the outward. We believe it's going to make a massive difference. So instead of a life group facilitator being on every week, you're on every third week. You, you bring your part and other guys take the other week. So you're only on once every third week in the sense of really having to prepare. Then we also want to raise up specialized trainers. You see, in this church, we don't believe that there's a preacher and the others must just sit and listen. We believe every believer is a minister of the gospel. So we want to raise up specialists, prophetic specialists, evangelistic specialists, pastoral specialists, teaching specialists. And these guys will will be trained and equipped and they will go to the different life groups on certain evenings and facilitate building out that culture or that aspect of heaven's atmosphere in that group. This is a huge opportunity. If you want to grow, I tell you, start giving towards others. Amen. Your faces aren't saying it yet, but I am psyched. I am psyched. (laughs) And then, so, beginning June, on the 8th of June, we're going to have four Tuesday, four to five Tuesday nights. There will be training nights for everybody that wants to become part of the facilitation or co-facilitators. So I want to ask you, if you want to join us for this, to sign up. We have cards on every second chair. So just show the card quickly. So there's a card, and you'll see it says, at the bottom it says, upward, inward, outward. So you need to put a number there. What is your strength, your natural strength? I presume most of us, the lowest one will be outward. But so we want to build, so we want to see where each one will fit and then develop that aspect of your passions and what God ultimately has called you to. And we're going to trust for the anointing, the equipping in the natural, but also the anointing, the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to facilitate, to build out these heavenly cultures. Okay, so please sign up. We'll have it on our website as well, so you can click there and sign up, and then we're going to follow up with you, and we will give you more info as we go. So the next slide just gives you the upward, 
inward and outward. Okay, because it's hard for one person, even for me, it's hard. I'm like all over the show. I need to do everything. So no, no, I'm going to actually focus more on the outward. Somebody else is going to focus more on the inward. Okay, hallelujah. Right, so the last bit I wanted to share, concluding. The last bit that Jesus shared was to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's part of the mission statement, the evangelistic. And so basically what this is saying is, is to tell the world, guys, the door's wide open for everybody right now. I Come on, I mean, who wouldn't want to experience heaven? Who wouldn't want to know joy and peace and the fullness of life that's found in Christ? Our challenge is to reveal the real deal to the world instead of dead religion. I just listened to my son, who's 12, over the last few weeks. I picked up, he thinks being a pastor is the coolest thing on the planet. Which is so cool. It's awesome, because it is. He thinks this church rocks. He thinks following Jesus is incredible, because real men follow Jesus. Huh? I mean, that's a, the, the real deal, the real deal. When we live the real deal, people will be drawn to it. I mean, I mean, why would you not want this? You want it. In Acts 2 verse 21, it says, And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord. But I tell you, if we would together partner with God, this mission statement become our mission in life. And we begin to build up the atmosphere of heaven within us and around us. Man, you're not going to be able to keep people out. It's like, I want, I want what you have. And I believe when we start doing this together, because that's the us. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon us. For the Lord has anointed us to preach the good news, to share the good news to the world. Right. Worship team, you can join us. So how do we change our world? I want to encourage you, put on your heaven suit, your space suit. I just think that image of the spaceman is so cool. I was like, man, I have to use it. This is just so cool. All the sci-fi people are like, yes, finally. But let's partner with God in changing our world, in changing our world, in changing the toxic atmosphere into a heavenly atmosphere, our homes, our workplaces. Man, I tell you, you're going to come alive like never before. Amen. Please stand with me. I'm going to encourage us again to read Luke chapter 4, verse 18 as our mission statement. And over the next five, six, seven weeks, we're going to unpack the, these heavenly cultures, the fivefold ministry cultures of how we can build it out in our lives. Let me just pray for us. Father, we thank you for your amazing love. Thank you, Lord, that you've not only come to save us and set us free, but you've called us to embrace your mission, the mission of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray for each one of us, for that stirring on the inside of us to become part, to become part of something bigger than ourselves. God, we realize 
If we hold on to the blessings, we're going to lose it. But if we give it away, we will receive more. Nature of the kingdom. And Lord, I pray for each one of us to discover that, to embrace it, to make it our own. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.